Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Arizona black-chinned hummingbird fluttering about is Ellen. You know, this might be one of my favorite animal comparisons that you've done, because I kind of feel like I have a lot in common with hummingbirds. Like, my outstanding spatial memory, my preference for tropical areas, my high-energy needs. You're flitting about from place to place at the blink of an eye. And I like flowers. Well, there's that too. I think it works. Mm-hmm. So on that note, let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Nazi Von Douchebag I is just as lame as his son when it comes to insults. Regurgitating toilets make for a really shitty workday for Arthur. For a group of people super convinced that Harry would get off, they sure were surprised that he got off. Sirius is cranky about losing his roommate. Dumbledore and McGonagall really drop the ball when it comes to sending out Hogwarts letters. And Ron follows in the grand tradition of Weasley's being made prefect. While next door neighbors Fred and George prepare to take as much advantage of the situation as they can. During episode 132, Do I Offend? Our Potter pondering was... What reward would you want if you were made a prefect? Hi, Ellen and Katie. I'm calling in my Potter Pondering. This is the support badger, Carly. This week's Potter Pondering was, what would I ask for if I had been made prefect? I thought about this for a long time. I'm not a sporty person, but I think a broom would be nice. But since I'm not a sporty person and I probably wouldn't use a broom at age 15 for transport, I would probably wait until I'm older to get a broom. I think that I would go for that thing that Harry saw in Prisoner of Azkaban when he's in Diagon Alley. He sees a perfect replica of the galaxy or the universe. I feel like that's really an interesting thing. And he would never have to take astronomy again. It would be super cool to have a tiny little universe available to you. And I thought about that for a long time. I do like Ron's choice of a groom since he is a sporty person. But I would choose that tiny little galaxy in a bubble. Yep. Hey, Ellen. Hey, Katie. It's your favorite Aussie Jackson here with this week's Potter Pondering. What would I want for a reward if I was made a Hogwarts prefect? Let me see. It would depend on what stuff I already had because, like, it wouldn't be an owl because I would already have an owl when I first started at Hogwarts. So not that. Maybe a broom or maybe an invisibility cloak. Something like that. Yeah, just something cool like an invisibility cloak, a new broom, or, I don't know, it's hard to decide. Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. 
what would I want as a gift for becoming a prefect? Man, as much as I would like to say like a broom or something tailored to whatever wizarding skill I would have mastered, ain't no telling what the fuck I'd have been good at for real. I would like to say dueling, but we'll never know, you know, maybe one day. So realistically, I'll have to go along the lines of a pet, probably with like an owl, a big beastly owl, a big goofy owl. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want a cat though. Hmm. But a pet, definitely a pet. And we're going to go with owl because Muggle Ashley could get a cat. Which Ashley would want a damn owl? Give me my owl. I'm a prefect. I'm in charge. Thank you so much for your responses. I love it. I wish I had the power to make all of that happen. Right? Give everyone their toys. <laughs> Our trivia question last week was, what is the handle of Ron's clean sweep made from? Ron's broom handle is made of Spanish oak. It also has an anti-jinx varnish and built-in vibration control, which we learn as he's telling Tonks all about it. And likely anyone else who would listen. Congratulations goes to Dave Garza. Woohoo! He cut off Sarah's streak before it could really get going. Aw, sadness. Will he be starting his own streak? Or will Sarah best him this time? Or will we see Mike or Jackson again? Or someone new? Maybe Quincy will come out of retirement. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley, and the no corresponding scenes at all. Chapter 9, The Woes of Mrs. Weasley, Part 2. Harry finds that he doesn't want to look at Hermione and instead focuses on the clean robes Mrs. Weasley left them. When she tentatively says his name, he gives her a hearty congratulations that doesn't even sound like him, but he still can't look at her. She says thanks and then asks if she can borrow Hedwig to write her parents a letter about the news. He agrees, still in the horrible, hearty voice, and then pretends to rummage for something in his trunk while she fetches the owl and leaves the room. Once alone, Harry finds himself reflecting on the situation. He had completely forgotten that prefix are chosen in the fifth year and wonders what he would have expected if he had remembered. A small voice in his head told him that he would have expected he would have gotten the badge, not Ron, and wonders if that makes him as arrogant as Draco Malfoy. He starts to question if he is better than Ron and ultimately decides that he's better at Quidditch, but not anything else, though he does think about all of the things he did face without Ron or Hermione. He knows he's done more than either of them, but then also figures that Dumbledore may not choose Prefix because they've gotten themselves into loads of dangerous situations. He finds himself thinking about Fred's words. No one in their right mind would make Ron a Prefect, and snorts a laugh before immediately feeling sick with himself, since none of this was Ron's fault and he's supposed to be his best friend. At this point, Ron returns, happily mentioning that his mom is going to try to get the clean sweep. Harry says cool and is relieved to hear that his voice has stopped sounding so hearty as he goes on to sincerely congratulate his friend. Ron stops smiling and admits that he never thought it would be him, expecting it would have gone to Harry, 
but Harry just echoes Fred and casually says he's caused too much trouble. Ron says he supposes and suggests that they better start packing. It takes them most of the afternoon to find all their possessions strewn across the house and get them packed into their trunks. Ron can't seem to decide where to keep his prefix badge and keeps moving it around until the twins offer to stick it to his forehead with a permanent sticking charm. He then wraps it carefully in some maroon socks and locks it in his trunk. Mrs. Weasley returns from Diagon Alley around 6 o'clock with all their books in a long package wrapped in brown paper. Ron moans in longing, but his mother tells him not to bother unwrapping it now since they need to get ready for dinner. Regardless, the moment she's out of sight, Ron tears off the paper to examine his new broom. They head down to the basement to find a large scarlet banner congratulating the new prefix, and Mrs. Weasley explains that they are going to have a little party rather than a sit-down dinner, adding on that Mr. Weasley and Bill are both on their way. Sirius Lupin, Tonks, and Kingsley are already there, and they are soon joined by Mad-Eye Moody, who Mrs. Weasley is happy to see since they still haven't had a chance to get him to look at what's in the writing desk in the drawing room. He uses his electric blue eye to look through the ceiling and confirms that it's definitely a boggart, but when he offers to get rid of it, Mrs. Weasley insists that she can later. She tells him to have a drink, since they're having a celebration, and brags about Ron becoming the fourth prefect in their family. Moody looks at Ron and congratulates him, but also startles him with the news that authority figures always attract trouble, so Dumbledore must figure he can withstand most major jinxes or he wouldn't have appointed him. Ron doesn't have to respond, though, because his father, brother, and Mundungus Fletcher all arrive, and once everyone has drinks, Mr. Weasley proposes a toast. As they all begin to move towards the food, Tonks mentions that she was never a prefect herself since she lacked certain necessary qualities, like the ability to behave herself. Ginny laughs and Hermione ends up choking on her butterbeer. As Ginny thumps her on the back, she asks Sirius about him. He also laughs and explains that he spent too much time in detention with James, so it was Lupin who got the badge. Lupin says that he thinks Dumbledore hoped he could exercise some control over his friends, but that he failed dismally. It makes Harry feel better to know that his father wasn't a prefect either, and he loads up his plate with food, feeling very fond of everyone in the room. Ron is telling anyone who will listen all about his new broom, Hermione is talking to Lupin about elf rights, and Mrs. Weasley and Bill are having their usual argument about Bill's hair. When Mrs. Weasley asks Harry's opinion, he dodges the question by saying he doesn't know and heading over towards Fred and George, who are talking with Mundungus in a corner. Mundungus stops talking when Harry approaches, but the twins explain that he's their financial backer and show Harry the venomous tentacula seeds that Dung got them for their skiving snack boxes. Fred tries to pay him the 10 galleons they agreed upon, but Dung tries to up it to 20 for his trouble and ends up settling on 10 when Harry points out that Mad-Eye Moody could have his eye on them. As the twins hurry upstairs with their goods, Harry feels a little uneasy about what Mr. and Mrs. Weasley will think about him giving them money for their joke shop when they inevitably find out. As he stands there, alone with his guilt, he catches his name in a conversation between Kingsley and Lupin, and overhears them wondering why Dumbledore didn't make Potter a prefect. Harry doesn't want them to know that he can hear them, so he moves back to the food table, again feeling miserable and wishing he could just go to bed. 
Mrs. Weasley yawns and says she's going to sort out the boggart before going to bed, says goodnight to Harry, and heads out of the kitchen. Harry wonders how he can follow her without attracting attention and is noticed by Moody, who asks if he is all right. Harry lies, saying that he is fine, and Moody calls him over to show him something. He pulls a tattered, wizarding photograph out of his pocket and shows it to Harry, explaining that it's the original Order of the Phoenix, mentioning that he found it while looking for his spare invisibility cloak, since Podmore hasn't returned his best one. Harry takes the photograph and Moody begins pointing out different people, ones that Harry has met, others that have died, plus the Longbottoms, who met a fate worse than death, Gideon and Fabian Pruitt, who fought like heroes, and Dumbledore's brother Aberforth. Moody encourages all of the magical figures to move out of the way to bring more into prominence until they get to Harry's parents, standing right next to Wormtail, the man who betrayed them. Harry is disturbed by the picture and tries to make an excuse to get away, but is saved by Sirius asking what Moody has got. He tiptoes away and up the stairs, glad to be on his own again, but quickly distracted by the sound of sobbing coming from the drawing room. Harry rushes to the room and finds Mrs. Weasley cowering against the wall, sobbing at the sight of her youngest son sprawled dead on the carpet. Harry is initially panicked until he remembers that he just saw Ron downstairs. He tries to talk to Mrs. Weasley, but she just points her shaking wand at Ron's body and sobs, Ridiculous! With a crack, the body changes to Bill's. Mrs. Weasley tries again, and another crack shows them dead twins, then dead Percy, then dead Harry. As Harry stares at his own dead body on the floor, he shouts for her to get out of there, and Lupin comes running into the room, closely followed by Sirius and Moody. Lupin understands the situation immediately and pulls out his own wand. When he firmly says, Ridiculous, the Boggart changes into the silvery orb before vanishing in a puff of smoke, and Mrs. Weasley breaks down into more sobs. Lupin comforts her as she confesses how worried she is about half of their family being in the Order and worrying about them all surviving, especially with Percy not talking to them, and concern over what happens to Ron and Ginny if she and Arthur get killed. Lupin firmly tells her that's enough. He reminds her that it isn't like last time. They are better prepared and know what Voldemort is up to. The sound of his name causes her to squeak in fright, but Lupin tells her to just get used to hearing it. He says that he can't promise no one will get hurt, but does assure her that they are much better off than last time. Sirius reassures her that Percy will come around, because it is only a matter of time before Voldemort moves out into the open. Lupin also asks Molly if she thinks they'd let Ginny and Ron starve if something happened to her and Arthur, and finally gets a smile as Mrs. Weasley mutters that she's being silly. But when Harry closes the bedroom door ten minutes later, he can't help but think that Mrs. Weasley wasn't being silly. He keeps seeing his parents beaming up at him from that photograph and thinking about all of the people around them whose lives were about to end, as well as the flashing images of the Boggart posing as the corpses of each member of the Weasley family. When another pain flashes in his scar, he rubs it and says, cut it out. A sly voice from an empty portrait on the wall tells him that the first sign of madness is talking to your own head. But Harry ignores it, feeling older than he ever has in his life, and in disbelief that barely an hour ago he was worried about a joke shop and who had gotten a prefix badge. So obviously we don't have any movie scenes. Nope. And again, this is all just what's happening in the book that we didn't get to see in the movie. All right. Because why would we get to see it in the movie? Right. That just seems too logical. At least this time, 
part of it is kind of sort of in the movie. It just didn't really line up as well. So we're going to talk about that with the next episode instead of this one. Mm -hmm. But we'll at least mention what is sort of in there. Yeah. So this half of the chapter starts off right after Ron runs out to go tell his mom that he wants the clean sweep. Mm -hmm. And it leaves Harry and Hermione together alone in the room. And it's just super awkward because Hermione's just like, uh, I thought you were going to be prefect. And Harry's just like, uh, I'm not prefect. <laughs> and he decides to just like busy himself focusing on the robes that Mrs. Weasley brought, like, and then pretends like he's looking for something in his trunk. And when Hermione finally says his name, he's just like, yeah, congratulations, Hermione. That's super awesome. <laughs> and he even mentions how his voice just has this super hearty quality that sounds absolutely nothing like him. Right. But he can't stop himself from doing it. It's sounding a bit like Ron in the second movie a little bit. Like, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Hermione. But Hermione just says thank you and asks if she can borrow Hedwig because she wants to tell her parents about being made a prefect. It's something in the magical world that they'll actually understand. Mm-hmm. Because it's more school-related than magic-related. Yes, because they have prefects in British schools. Yeah. So she wants to share that news with him, and Harry's just like, yeah, of course you can, Hermione. You share that good news with them. <laughs> Oh, Harry. And she just gets the owl and leaves and doesn't say anything else. So he just waits until she stops making noise and the door closes. And he was just like, looks around. Okay, I'm definitely alone. And then he's like, okay, what the fuck? With everything else going on, he never even remembered that prefects were chosen in the fifth year. But then he's just like, but if I did remember, what would I have expected? Would I have been made prefect? I mean, to be fair, he's had a lot on his mind lately. Just a little. You know. No. Or, yeah, you're right, a lot. A lot's a good word. A lot'll, yeah. A lot might even be underselling it still. <laughs> Just a tiny bit, sure. But he's like, should I have gotten the badge? I think that if I were expecting to be learning about prefix, I may have expected to get the badge. But does that make me as arrogant as Nazi von Douchebag II? I mean, is it really possible to be as arrogant as Nazi von Douchebag II? I think it maybe puts him as like his neighbor. Yeah. Okay. There is some definite arrogance going on in there if you actually think that you deserved this role over your friend. Yeah. Especially if your middle name is meddling and you're like, hey, that should have been me because I always follow the rules. Always. Except that I don't. <laughs> not that Ron always follows the rules either, but that's no, kind of beside the point. But when he doesn't follow the rules, it's at Harry's behest. So I'm not saying Harry's a bad influence. True story. And in the end, Harry ends up deciding that the one thing he is actually better at than Ron is Quidditch. And beyond that, he doesn't really think he's any better. And he's like, I have faced more things than either Ron or Hermione, but... I don't know that Dumbledore is choosing prefects based on getting themselves into a shit ton of trouble. So maybe Fred's right. Maybe that is just counting against me. Well, and not to mention the fact that 90% of what he gets into, he only gets out of because of Ron and Hermione. So there's that too. There's also that. But Harry also thinks about Fred's words. No one in their right mind would make Ron a prefect mm -hmm. and actually snort laughs. 
and then immediately feels sick with himself. So he's just like, oh, I'm being a really shitty friend. And it's like the first time that the tables have turned. Yeah. Because it's always Harry getting everything and Ron getting nothing. Right. It's a very different situation for Harry. And I think it's kind of funny that he responds that way. Even if it's just in his head. If he like, even if he just realizes right away, like, oh, I'm kind of being a shithead right now. Like, it's still very interesting that that's his first reaction. And honestly, I think that makes it more realistic. Oh, definitely. Because I think even when you are happy for your friend, internally, you might have a moment where you're just like, God damn, like, I'm really happy for them, but I'm not happy for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can be both. You can absolutely be both. You can, absolutely. And it can suck when you are both, definitely, because you feel like an asshole. Which Harry does. Which Harry does. And so he's at least got that going for him, sure. But also, it's just that initial, like, God, I kind of thought he was being a prick last year when he was pissed about me getting the Triwizard Champion thing. And, I mean, this isn't necessarily on the same level, but, you know, I started to kind of feel that way. I started to feel the way he felt, and... That's not fucking cool of me. Like, at least he figured it out quickly. Yeah, I wonder if he would have figured that out as quickly if Ron hadn't have done that to him. Mm, maybe. Because it's like, I know how this feels. When I really needed my best friend's support and I wasn't getting it, it fucking sucked. Yeah. I'm going to be a better friend than Ron was in that time. Yeah. Because he is now being a better friend to me. Exactly. And he got past his shit, I can get past mine. Exactly. It shows a lot of maturity on Harry's part, actually, when you really think about it. But at the same time, he still has a lot of fucking growing up to do. <laughs> yeah. And he did do all of this internally so that by the time that Ron comes back, having caught his mom and told her which broom he wanted and she said she was going to try and get that one, he reports this to Harry. And Harry manages to say cool in his normal voice mm -hmm. so he's actually successfully talked himself down from being a dick yeah and then manages to sincerely congratulate ron for becoming prefect well, that's good that's the heartwarming freeze frame at the end of the 90s show that we all want to see you know right and then Ron is even just like, I did not think it would be me yeah. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna get it and then, like I said, Harry's just like, nah, I caused too much trouble. <laughs> to say the least. Right. And Ron's just like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but then instead of focusing on it, he's just like, we better get packing. Which, they've left this all to the very last minute, so yes. <laughs> he's got a fucking point. Yeah. Especially since it takes them the majority of the afternoon to find all of their belongings, which they, for some reason, have just strewn across the entire house. Well, I mean, that's essentially... What teenagers do. True, but I would be more reluctant to do that with creature wandering around. That's true. Especially with siblings. When you have that many siblings, how do you know they're not going to take your shit? I mean, to be fair, though, if you're the youngest sibling, nobody wants your shit. That's also a very good point. You know. But you know he's not going to leave that broom lying around. That, well, definitely. He also is completely unwilling to leave his prefix badge lying around and he can't decide where to put it. So he just keeps moving it around until the twins are like, do you want us to just stick it to your forehead with a permanent sticking charm? Because we'll do that for you. <laughs> and he's just like, no, I don't want that. And he wraps it in some of his maroon socks and just locks it in the trunk. I'm surprised that's not the first thing they did. Well, Ron already knew what they did to Percy. Mm -hmm. So he was not letting that out of his sight. 
but with their skills at apparition. I feel they just apparate in real fast, grab it from him, and then apparate the fuck out. Honestly, they probably would have tried to do that if they weren't busy hunting down all of their own belongings. That is true. It's go time. They're in a rush. (laughs) This is the scene in Home Alone where they're late for their plane, and they're all getting ready and grabbing everything that they can, and, you know, nobody's paying attention to the fact that they left a kid behind. (laughs) To be fair, they did a head counts, and there was a stranger in the car. They did. That damn neighbor. That nosy neighbor. I feel like that would totally happen with all of the Weasleys as well. Oh, definitely. It was totally Neville. You know it was. Or it could have been Cousin Barney. Or Cousin... (laughs) It was Creature. (laughs) It was Creature looking through their shit. Got counted in as a Weasley. Whoops. But anyway, not the point of what's going on right now. Not the point, no. Sorry. (laughs) Right now, Mrs. Weasley gets back from Diagon Alley with all of their shopping. It's about six Mm o'clock. And she has this long package wrapped in brown paper. And Ron's just like, oh. (sighs) But Mrs. Weasley's just like, don't bother unwrapping it now. We need to go get ready for dinner. And she leaves it with him. (laughs) And has to know that the moment she walks away, he's going to unwrap it. Like, don't bother unwrapping it. It's not going to do anything at all. Right? Like, I don't know why you even bother saying it. It's cute that she tries, right? It's cute. (laughs) But yeah, so Ron tears all of the paper off and examines his new broom. And it just transitions into them heading down to the basement for dinner. But I feel like in reality... Mrs. Weasley had to yell upstairs to him. Yeah. Because there's no way that he unwrapped it, looked at it, set it down, and walked away. Oh, no. No. He unwrapped it, looked at it, rubbed it on his face a little bit. Totally put it between his legs. Counted the bristles. Definitely stroked it a few times. Definitely stroked oh, the Oh, he broom. smelled it. Oh, come on. You don't not sniff a new broom. You just don't. Yeah, you can't not do it. People pay good money for new broom smell. I believe that they have things that you can hang on an old broom to make it smell like a new broom. Broom fresheners? Broom fresheners. (laughs) It's broom spray. Like broom spray. (laughs) Broom spray. Like Febreze for your broom. Yes. Keep that new broom smell with Febroom. With Febroom. (laughs) But so eventually, after he finishes molesting his broom. Yes. They all go down to the basement kitchen and they find a large scarlet banner that says congratulations to the new prefix. And Mrs. Weasley's just like, I figured we could have a little party instead of a sit down dinner. And she tells him that Mr. Weasley and Bill are both on their way. And then they also have Sirius, obviously, and Lupin and Tonks and Kingsley there. They're soon joined by Mad-Eye Moody. Mm-hmm. And that makes Mrs. Weasley really happy because in all of this time, they still haven't had a chance to get him to look and see what's in the drawer in the drawing room desk. Yeah. So she's like, oh, good. We need you to look at this. And he just uses his magical eye to look up through the ceiling. And he's just like, yep, definitely a boggart. Which I've always been interested in this theory. That he can see what a boggart actually looks like? Yeah, that he can see a boggart. When it's not in form of somebody's fear. Lupin said that no one's ever seen a boggart, like, unshapeshifted before. So what the fuck does it look like? Right? I wonder if there's some kind of magic that it knows it's being looked at. Even if it's a magical look at. Hmm. Like a weeping angel yeah. kind of deal? 
Like, it's just a fact of its biology. If yeah. it's being viewed, it changes. So what do you think Moody would see? I don't know. A poison drink glass? I'm so intrigued by this. That trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Barty Crouch Jr. Right? Not having constant vigilance. In constant unvigilance. <laughs> or something like that. Yes, that's totally what it is. I don't know. I'm intrigued. But anyway... Off on a tangent about Bogarts there. I can't help it. <laughs> Moody offers to go get rid of it. And Mrs. Weasley's like, no, I can take care of it later. You just have your drink because we are celebrating. Ron has become the fourth prefect in our family. That's everyone. <laughs> That's everyone. Because Fred and George are next door neighbors. <laughs> yep. They're the ones who snuck into the car and got the head count. <laughs> yep. What I love about this part right here that... Would have been fantastic to see because I don't think we got enough of paranoid Moody. Yeah. And this is just like a humorous little part of it where he does go and congratulate Ron for becoming a prefect. But then also tells him that authority figures always attract trouble. So Dumbledore must figure he can withstand most major jinxes or he wouldn't have appointed him. Right. And Ron's just like, uh, can I turn this down? <laughs> no, Harry, you could totally have the badge. Right? You could probably withstand Jinxes better than me. I mean, shit, you withstood Crucio a couple months ago. Obviously, you could do these Jinxes better than I could, so. Although, Harry did practice a whole bunch of Jinxes on Ron and Hermione, but mostly Ron. Yeah. To practice for the Triwizard Tournament, so... That is true. Maybe Dumbledore did think that Ron could withstand both jinxes. Maybe. I mean, not wrong, either. Ron's a badass. Book Ron, for sure. Well, yes. <laughs> and the Rupert Grint that lives in my head that should have been movie Ron, yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but Ron is actually saved from having to respond to this lovely declaration from Moody because <laughs> at this point, his father and brother... And Mundungus Fletcher show up. Yeah. And Mrs. Weasley is still so happy about Ron being made prefect that she doesn't even care that Dungrags is there. Yeah. That says quite a bit, I gotta say. Right? Mm-hmm. And then once everybody has their drinks, Mr. Weasley's like, I would like to propose a toast to the prefix. And this is another Rocky Horror moment where everyone throws toast. <laughs> <laughs> they do their toast, start moving towards the food, and Tonks is just like... I was never a prefect myself. I lacked certain necessary qualities. And Jenny's like, like what? And she's like, like the ability to behave myself. <laughs> Which, of course, makes Jenny laugh because that is totally up her alley for humor wise. Right. But then Hermione's like, I'm a prefect now. Can I laugh at this? Should I laugh at this? It's pretty funny. I like Tonks. She's amusing, but I'm a prefect. I don't know if I should laugh. <laughs> and she instead just takes a huge drink of her butterbeer and ends up choking on it. So that was her compromise. Not sure it worked out well for her. I would say she might rethink that next time. Right? Maybe just laugh. Maybe, yeah. Lighten up a little bit. Maybe just a bit. That's advice that could go well for her for the whole book series. So there's that. <laughs> right? <laughs> But Ginny pats her on the back and asks Sirius, well, what about you? Were you ever a prefect? And Sirius also laughs. And he's just like, no. <laughs> I spent way too much time in detention with James to ever be considered 
to be a prefect. It was actually Lupin who got the badge. And Lupin's there just like, yeah, I think that Dumbledore was hoping that I could exercise some control over my friends, but I'm sorry to say I failed dismally. I mean, to be fair, that really wasn't a good matchup. That wasn't no. a, that wasn't an even matchup at all. I mean, James and Sirius against Lupin. But if you consider the fact that it's fifth years that are chosen. Yeah. Your options are James, Sirius, Lupin, Pettigrew. Yeah. I don't know if there were any other fifth year Gryffindors at that point. I mean, theoretically, there would have been one or two, but. There might have been. But even so. But considering what they would be up against, Mm -hmm. it was probably better to have somebody in that inner circle than somebody outside of it trying to control them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Very true. Very true. It was a smart move. It was just, they were outnumbered no matter what happened. Uh huh. <laughs> but it actually makes Harry feel better to know that his father wasn't a prefect. He's just like, oh, okay, I'm just following my dad's footsteps mm-hmm. here. This is totally cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll take that, definitely. But it makes him feel better enough that he actually finds himself hungry and he just like feels very fond of everyone in the room, even Dung. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, this is great. And he just looks around at all of his friends and you know, adoptive family and Ron's telling anyone who will listen about his new broom. And Hermione is talking to Lupin about elf rights, probably trying to get him to join Spew if she hasn't already. Of course. Yeah. And then Mrs. Weasley and Bill are having that usual conversation about Bill's hair being too long and Bill being like, get off it, woman. I like it this way. And Mrs. Weasley's (laughs) just like, Harry, what do you think? Don't you think it'd look better shorter? And Harry's just like, uh, I don't know. which i think is the appropriate response in that situation right it's more of a hey i think uh someone's calling me i gotta uh i gotta gotta take this (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna go do a thing with uh oh serious hey did somebody say my name yeah (laughs) no he literally just uh i don't know and runs but he makes his way over to fred and george who are talking with dung rags in a corner. That's never good. Dung rags immediately stops talking when Harry approaches and the twins are like, no, 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 Harry's cool. He's our financial backer, yo. (laughs) How'd that go again? He's our financial backer, yo. (laughs) Oh, never say that again. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it. One of the twins said it. Said something like it. They did not say yo. I was reading between the lines. <laughs> How come you can paraphrase and I can't? Because uh, it's just weird coming from you. <laughs> but anyway, back to <laughs> the twins. They show their financial backer, yo, the venomous tentacula seeds that Dung got them for their skiving snack boxes. That just seems so skeevy. Well, yeah, I guess. But that is Dung. And the twins, let's be honest. And the, tw- and the twins, yes. <laughs> and Fred's just like, so, ten galleons for the lot? And Dung's just like, with all of the trouble that I went through to get these, I'm not taking a knut under 20. Psh, whatever, Dung. You'll take what they give you and you'll be liking it. No, he tries. Yeah. And Fred and George are just like, oh, Dung likes his little joke. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, you better be careful. And they're like, Molly's not even paying attention at all. And he's just like, no, but Moody could have his magical eye on Facts. you. So Dungrax is just like, good point, good point. Ten it is, ten it is. <laughs> Moody is the scarier one sometimes. And the twins are just like, cheers, Harry. You're so useful. You 
give us money and you get us good <laughs> deals. You're the best. So they have to hurry upstairs with their venomous tentacular seeds because clearly they don't want to be caught with those. Yep. And this leaves Harry just a little bit like, um, he just ums a lot in this book, I think. Well, he is 15. Um, what are Mr. and Mrs. Weasley going to think when they find out that I gave Fred and George the money to do this joke shop that they clearly don't approve of? I don't think that I thought this through. I just really didn't want the money, but now I'm on the hook and they're going to find out. It's just going to happen. And you just know that it is, especially if they're going to start advertising shit and do all of this other stuff and want to get premises. They're going to find out. And what am I going to do? You're going to hope that it's a success and then Molly won't give a shit. Fair enough. But he's just standing there just like drowning in his own guilt and gets distracted because he hears his name mentioned in a conversation between Kingsley and Lupin, wondering why Dumbledore didn't make Potter a prefect. And again, Harry's standing there like, uh, I don't want them to know that I can hear them. This is super awkward. So he moves away and just goes back to the food table, even though he's not hungry at all. He's just like... God damn, I was feeling better. No, I'm not feeling better. I really just want to go to bed. But how do I walk away without getting noticed? And right. Mrs. Weasley actually yawns at this point, too. And she's like, I'm going to sort out the boggart before I go to bed. So night all and just heads out. And Harry's just like, I'm going to go help her sort out the boggart. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I follow without people noticing that I Thumb leave? Dum <laughs> But before he can sneak out, Moody's just like, hey, y'all right, Harry? <laughs> Harry's just like, fine. Uh-huh. Moody's like, I want to show you something. Calls him over. Pulls out this very tattered wizarding photograph. It's been folded, probably worn down. He's like, this is the original Order of the Phoenix. I found it while I was looking for my spare invisibility cloak because Podmore hasn't returned my good one. Mm-hmm. So he takes this photograph and just starts pointing out all of the different people in it. And some of them are people Harry has met. A good chunk of them are people who have died. And then you have the Longbottoms who were tortured. So it's a happy photo. Yeah, super happy photo. Mm -hmm. And he also points out Gideon and Fabian Pruitt, who we learn later are Molly's brothers. Yes. And they fought like heroes and it took like five Death Eaters to take them down. Something Mm -hmm. ridiculous. They kick ass. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's just so neat, too, because we end up finding out that it's Fabian's watch that Molly gives to Harry. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I like this little connection where we hear about him a little bit ahead of time. Yeah. We get a little tiny bit of backstory. Yeah, just a teeny bit. Although we don't even know that those are her brothers at this point. Yeah. We just get the names and they were badasses. Yeah, because we don't know Molly's maiden name yet at this point. So we're not putting two and two together because we only have two. No four, just two. Yep. He also points out Dumbledore's brother, Eberforth, Mm -hmm. who we do end up meeting later. We do. Though we don't know, but then we find out later that we do. (laughs) Yeah, that made sense if you try not to follow it too easily. (laughs) If you pay attention to the meaning and not the words, total sense. Total sense. (laughs) (laughs) If you just let the words sink into you, it'll all come together but if you actually listen to the words you're not gonna get it so don't listen to the words man just feel them just feel the words guy anyway (laughs) we do see a picture in the movie of course totally different circumstances and shown by a different person and 
you know. It is a picture of the original order. It is. That is about the only thing that is the same. Yes. That's the ding. It's a sad little ding, but it's a ding, so there's that. Yeah. And it's fit in different time, different place, different person. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into more detail with it when we get to it. Yeah. But yeah, so Moody is just sort of like, all right, move along, move along, move along to the magical pictures because apparently you can control them a little bit. Yeah, which I love that. Right? I wish we could have seen more like that because generally I kind of think of magical pictures as like gifts. Gifts, Right. Or they just keep going and doing the same thing over and over again. But this is implied that you can talk to the subjects. I mean, you can talk to the portraits. Yeah. I just kind of thought portraits were different from photos because painting and I you know what that doesn't even make sense in my head anymore never mind I hadn't really put that much thought into it it might be a fun discussion to have after we have a gummy or two yeah definitely (laughs) but anyway Moody is just moving them all along until they get to Harry's parents Mm -hmm. who happen to be standing right next to fucking Wormtail and Harry's just like why are you showing me this like it's some sort of treat? This is horrible. You just showed me a picture of all of these people who are about to die or be tortured or betray their friends. Like, this is awful. I gotta go. I feel like he's looking at this the wrong way. However, I can see why he would. He's not in the greatest mental space right now either. No. Boy is in desperate need of some therapy for sure. Oh, yeah. And then some. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, uh, I'll agree in the sense that it was not the right time to show him these photos, definitely. And he's trying to come up with an excuse to just get away from it, and he's just like, uh, I left my... and can't think of anything because, you know, not a great mental space, and is anyway saved by Sirius, who's like, what you got there, Moody? Mm-hmm. So Harry uses this opportunity to just be like, poof, gone, and just heads up the stairs... He's just like, okay, I'm on my own again. This is going to be great. I can just chill out. And why am I hearing sobbing? Hmm. That's not something you usually hear around the house. Screaming, yes. Screaming, yes. Uh, Whispering, yes. Uh, The word mudblood, quite a bit, yes. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. But crying, that's a new one. Crying is not a very common one. Mm -mm. So he follows the sound to the drawing room. And finds Mrs. Weasley backed into the wall, bawling at the sight of Ron dead on the carpet. Yeah. So legit understand sobbing. That's definitely something to walk into. And Harry's just like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened? What happened? What happened? Wait, I just saw Ron downstairs talking about his broom. Yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute. And he's just like, Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley. And she's just like pointing her wand her hand is shaking and tries to say ridiculous and with a crack the body changes to bills so we've made it worse it's not getting any better for sure no so she tries again and dead twins doubly is bad tries again dead percy less bad i mean (laughs) tries again dead harry that's pretty rough yeah This is a weird way to do it, but if there was any way for Harry to know for sure 100% he is part of the family, this is it. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's not a way you want to find out, but... Kind of makes me wonder if the Bogart started with Ginny then. Maybe. But I think part of the reason why they wanted it to 
show Harry as well, aside from giving us that little, oh, he's part of the family. Mm -hmm. It also just creates that bizarre juxtaposition where Harry's staring at his own dead body. Right. Yeah. And it almost creates a little bit of foreshadowing. I can see that. By the time he sees the multitude of dead bodies changing, he knows exactly what's going on because Lupin taught him exactly what a bogart is. Uh Uh-huh. A couple years previous. Yep, they've dealt with those before. And speak of the devil, Lupin actually comes running in at this moment too. And it doesn't take him any time at all. He's immediately like, Bogart! And pulls out his wand and says, Ridiculous. It briefly changes into the silvery orb, which we know is a full moon. Mm-hmm. And then just poof, puff of smoke. It's gone. Yeah. And Mrs. Weasley just loses it because at this point she's been bottling this in for a while well yeah we know that she's lost weight we know that she looks tired we know that she's super stressed Mm -hmm. now she's getting ready to send all of her bear cubs off to school and she won't be able to oversee them every minute of the day Mm -hmm. it's a rough night real talk man this would be my bogger too it would be my Ginny. it would be my husband it would be you know, my Ellen. Oh, and that's probably what mine would be too. My husband, mm-hmm. my cats, my family, like my parents. Your Katie. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh-huh. I wasn't sure if I should say it because then it just sounds like I'm saying it because you said it. Well, yeah, but if you don't say it, you sound like a dick. <laughs> Definitely my Katie. Oh, I feel loved. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Even if I brought it on myself, I still feel loved. (laughs) You should. But anyway, we got Mrs. Weasley sobbing. Mm -hmm. Understandably, she just saw her Katie dead on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm dizzy. (laughs) And Lupin is just like, it's okay. It's okay. Calm down. You're going to be fine. Everything's okay. It was just a boggart. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, Half of our family's in the order. I'm just worried we're not all going to make it out alive. And what's going to happen to Ron and Ginny if Arthur and I die? Percy's not even talking to us. Ah. It's all very understandable emotion coming from her. Oh, I think it's completely understandable. I'm actually surprised she made it this long. You know, that's the mom adrenaline working overtime right there. I also love... Lupin's response to all this too though this is not like the last time we're better prepared we actually know what Voldemort's up to mm-hmm. and when he says Voldemort she squeaks yeah. and he's like oh my god woman just get used to hearing it just deal honey Come you on. are in the order that is openly defying him we're gonna say his name and we're not gonna be scared of it mm-hmm If you're brave enough to stand up to him, you should be brave enough to at least hear his name. Right? Don't be a bitch, Molly. Come on. We will let this emotion slide over the idea that you could lose your loved ones, but you are not going to squeak over someone's made-up name. Right? (laughs) A name that could just as very well have been Lord Dildo Lover. So... I think Voldemort does have a better ring to it. Yeah, I guess if you go that way. However, if he... Dildo Lover has a better cock ring to it. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) It was there. I had to. It was. I don't blame you, but I feel 
out of principle, I just have to say fuck you for it. So <laughs> fuck Fair you. Enough. So anyway, Lupin is also like, I can't promise you that no one is going to get hurt, but we are much better off than we were last time. And she wasn't in the order last time. No. So she doesn't really know what it was like, Mm -hmm. but she had very young children at the time. So I don't blame her for not getting more directly involved with a war. Oh, yeah. It's more than likely a case of she wanted to be involved. But at that point, when you've got such young children running around, it's not even a thought in your mind. Yeah. And it would have been most of them. Mm -hmm. Like she may have even been pregnant with Jenny at that point. Yeah, probably. It's pretty understandable that she wasn't in the order the first time around, but is here the second time. And she wouldn't have wanted Arthur involved either. Oh, no, you are not going to leave me alone with seven children. Exactly. Fuck on that, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And Sirius was there. He also followed Lupin into the room. So he speaks up and he's like, Percy's going to come around. Yeah. Give it time. Eventually, everybody's going to see that Voldemort is back and they're all going to be begging for our forgiveness. Mm hmm. Which, yes and no, but yeah. (laughs) They should be anyway. And then Lupin's like, and as for what happens to Ron and Ginny, if something happens to you and Arthur, do you think we're going to let them starve? (laughs) I love that line. I don't know why. I just love the, like, really? Really, Molly? Come on. What do you think is going to happen? Come on, honey. But it does actually get a smile from Mrs. Weasley. Which undoubtedly was the entire point of it oh absolutely you know and she just kind of like i'm sure it's a very watery smile but she manages to like calm herself down enough to say that she's being silly Mm-hmm. what she knows she is but once it's put to her in such a way you can't help but really feel the silliness I think there are certain things about it that are definitely silly but even harry when he goes back to his bedroom mm-hmm. it's about 10 minutes later even he's just like, I don't think she was being that silly. Like, this is the start of a war. Yeah. Like, there are probably going to be casualties. We know that there was last time. Yeah, that is true. It's not silly to worry about it. Yeah. Harry just saw a photo full of them. Right? You know? And I think that that's just really weighing on him because he does keep seeing that photo in his head mm-hmm. and keeps thinking about all of the people in it that were literally days before the end of their lives. Yeah. And huge betrayals. And it's not silly. No. It's not silly. But letting it get to you maybe is. It's not silly, but it is unhelpful. Yes. In this sense of things. She could have been more pragmatic if she was worrying about what would happen to Ron and Ginny. She could put things in place to know they'd be okay. Yeah. Instead of just worrying about it. It's very counterproductive. Yes. Is what it is. Counterproductive is a great Mm -hmm. word. Thanks. (laughs) But she also has a tendency as the mom, I think, to take on more than she should and try and carry more weight than she should. What? Moms don't do that. No. Yeah. I've never done that, Ellen. No. I've never done that. Oh, shit. <laughs> Do you have allergies? It's just the season changing. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but he's also thinking about the Bogart, like, poof, I'm dead Ron. Poof, I'm dead Bill. Poof, I'm dead Percy. I'm dead Harry. Like, he's literally seeing dead bodies. Like, he just saw them. 
mm-hmm. even if they weren't real, those are not easy pictures to erase from your head. Right? They're now they're there. Yeah, they, they live, live there now. In your consciousness yeah. now. This is the perfect example of you can't unsee that. You can't unsee that. No. No. And then he also ends up feeling a flash of pain in his scar again. Mm-hmm. Which, as we've already established, is something that just is happening more and more now that Voldemort's back. Sure, yeah. And he, like, rubs his head and goes, cut it out. (laughs) And a sly voice from an empty portrait on the wall tells him that the first sign of madness is talking to your own head. And Harry's just like, whatever. (laughs) Just ignores it. Or, and hear me out, you could fuck off, random voice. In Random Portrait. Yeah, that's about right, except that he actually just completely ignores that voice, who I'm pretty sure is probably Phineas Nigellus Black. Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking, too. They don't specify who that voice was, but I feel like that's just another little intro to him. Right. It sounds like something he'd say. Totally. But Harry's just completely ignoring it because he has absolutely no idea why... An hour ago, he was worried about a joke shop and who'd gotten the prefix badge. You know. Because he went from feeling like a whiny 15-year-old boy that was being a dick to his best friend to a, like, middle-aged veteran. Shit's about to get real. (laughs) And that's where the chapter ends. Thank God. This got depressing. It was a rough chapter. Very woeful. It really was. Started with him getting off and ended in dead bodies. Roller coaster. This chapter was a roller coaster. Start to finish. And again, since same chapter Mm -hmm. as before, no movie scenes, no actors. But man, I would have loved to see the Bogart scene. As messed up as it is, because if they would have had the Bogart scene in the movie, I would have literally had nightmares about it. I still really would have loved to see it. Just how they did it, you know? Well, it's also, the movies are getting darker. The books are getting Mm -hmm. darker. The story is getting darker. And we didn't really get a lot of that. Yeah, it was darker in the sense that there was less lighting, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) That's the main way. Like, it had elements to it, but nothing like the source material. Nothing like how the book had it. Yeah. And it's amazing how close they stayed to it. Mm-hmm. For as much as they changed. Right? Yeah. But since we have no actors. Yeah, since we have no actors, we'll just go right into our Potter pondering. And I know we've done this before, but now that we have people call in answers and stitching responses on TikTok, we really want to know what you think a boggart would turn into for you. And also, side note, what do you think Moody's boggart is? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. And don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. This will bring us to our Sorting Hat story, which is from Kendra Copeland. She writes, Hi ladies! I'm a Slytherin, although for the longest time I was a Ravenclaw with Slytherin tendencies. But then my Slytherin took over, and now I'm settled in this house. My wand is Hazelwood with a unicorn hair core, and my Patronus is a Manx cat. I love cats. My Harry Potter story goes like this. I was out of the loop when Harry Potter became a thing. 
I was 18 years old when the first book came out and getting into the world and trying to figure out what adulting was all about. My younger brother got into the books when the second one came out and the books actually got him into reading, which was a big relief to my mom. So I heard them over the years and finally when I had my own child, I started reading them. I did love them very much, but it was my older daughter when she was maybe 16 who became a full-on fan and pulled me into the universe fully. I'm now happy to say that I'm a true Harry Potter nerd. My team even won a Harry Potter trivia locally. I also managed to find a group of friends who all have annual passes to Universal and are all into Harry Potter and we go monthly, so I thank Harry Potter for bringing me some of the best friends I've ever had. I enjoy your podcast, ladies. You're fun to listen to. Thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Kendra. And we totally get it because Harry Potter has connected us with some of our best friends, including each other. So it's just so awesome how it connects people. And we are really looking forward to meeting up with you at LeakyCon. Collect you in our circle. Yay, fresh meat. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to claim another one. (laughs) (laughs) Add another to the wall, if you will. Yeah, I'm really excited. That'll be a lot of fun. And I tell you what, if you would have told me when I was younger that hey, one of these days you're going to read a book that has such an impact on your life. It's going to bring you together with people that you cannot imagine not knowing. I'd have called you fucking crazy. (laughs) I'd have called you batshit insane, okay? You're going to read a story that's going to introduce you to a bonus family. Yeah, honest to God. If you'd have told me that, I'd have been like... Except that I'm totally not. Nobody does that. That's not a thing. Except it is a thing. Except it is a thing. And, and you Kendra know what? is going to be one of our newest family members. One of us. One, one of us. us. One, one of us. And we're so glad <laughs> that we're going to have this opportunity to meet you at LeakyCon. And again, thank you so much for sending in your Sorting Hat story. Yes, thank you so much. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media, or like I said, leave it as a comment on our Sorting Hat story post. And that'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is... Who did not report for guard duty to take Harry to King's Cross Station? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag reliable is dung will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 10, Luna Lovegood, and the corresponding film scenes. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.